0: The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. So,
1: you in the holiday spirit yet? Uh, am I in the holiday spirit? Uh, when my neighbors finally take down their Halloween decorations, maybe. What kind of weird ass neighborhood do you live I, in? You know, it is a strange one, and and I, I've never figured it out. And we kind of stick out for a variety of reasons and because we don't decorate our house. You don't decorate your house, do you? For the Halloween, yeah. We got a couple of things. I have a kid. Of course, I have to do something perfunctory. But for Christmas? Do you do anything with the lights or the tr- Well, we do stuff inside. But not outside. We don't. I feel that we don't have to advertise. Although there, are, there are a couple of houses with those uh, projection laser things that allow you. Oh, to
2: yeah, 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 yeah,
1: You yeah. know, get one of those for thirty bucks or whatever it is, and you have instant Christmas decorations without having to go up on a ladder and install lights.
2: Wifey went out and bought one of these giant tubes from the Michael's craft store of balls that were probably like twice the size of a softball. We hang them from the tree out front of our house. And that's fantastic except when it comes time to take them down, I'm the one who has to take them down. It's always about 15 degrees colder than when we put them up. Mm. Yeah, so we're always that... Family that's still got the Christmas decorations up towards the end of January because I just want to go out and do the.
1: Oh, there, dude, dude around the court for me, May. May, he was taking. Yes!
0: From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on Shortwave Radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth featuring musical guest Sting.
1: It's that time of year, the definitive gift guide for Geeks 2017. We've got stuff for the music and tech geek of your life, including the ultimate way to show your love of Star Trek,
2: and, and Star Wars. <laughs> and Star Wars. If you're a grease monkey, we've got a gadget for the car. Maybe Ellen will get it for the Porsche. Uh, and some advice for
1: vinyl nerds looking to ingest their collection into MP3s. Uh, trust me on this one.
2: Plus, how to build a smart home or not. Santa's coming to town.
0: Santa! Oh, my God! And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. <laughs>
2: Okay, so we got the definitive holiday gift guide for Geeks 2017 edition, and the team at GeeksAndBeasts.com have been uh, working quite hard on this. Have you seen the list yet? I have, and I have my own list as well. I've been looking
1: at this because um, this is, well, when you're trying to put together a website or a podcast or a radio show over the American Thanksgiving weekend, it's pretty dire because there's just not much that's being reported. So... What I had been doing is sort of saving some gift idea stuff myself, and then publishing mm-hmm. that. So I, I, I have a few uh, that I've collected on my own. So why don't you do the uh, the geeks and beats side, and then I'll do what else I found.
2: We'll figure out what it is that you want under the tree for Christmas. How about that? What do I want under the tree? Okay, well. You think about that, because I'll tell you this. We've talked about this in the past, that um, I like to joke that wifey has a magnetic plate in her forehead that zaps electronics. You've got a wife very similar.
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, Anything that runs on electricity is guaranteed to die in her presence. I, I have no idea what the problem is, and I've actually seen it in action. Did I ever tell you the time that she almost lost one of her novels on her on her computer?
2: Yes, because she somehow figured out how to password protect the Microsoft Word document and had no idea she had done it. I don't even know how to do it and, yeah. and it I said, "What's your password? I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so the deal with Wifey and me was that since the first three years we were together, everything she bought me geek-wise was either dead on arrival, not the one I wanted, or it was the one I wanted, but it turned out to be crap. The deal was socks and underwear, and then Boxing Day, I go out and buy myself my own geek toys. So it's no surprise that at the top of the list at GeeksAndBeats.com, our ace producer, Vanessa Azzoli, has put the Can Music Loves Everybody Knit Socks Okay. She rates it four out of five hip ampersand logos. All right, logos. hang on. Let me look it up. Do you have any, like, crazy, wacky Christmas sweaters yes, or socks yes. or anything like that? There's,
1: uh, I don't own any, but... Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. That was a complete opposite to what no, you no, just said. No, 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 no. I don't own any, but I know of plenty. Because starting about 20... 2012, 2013, ugly rock and roll Christmas sweaters became the rage. Oh, yeah. And now everybody has one. There's one for Iron Maiden. I'm looking at one now uh, for Metallica the ugly, scary, satanic reindeer one. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really something else, um, and it runs for twenty bucks at the uh, twenty bucks U.S. at the Metallica store. But if you go online and just look up ugly rock music uh, sweaters,
2: you'll find tons of them. Why don't you own one of these for the very least when you have the big company Christmas party? You can show because up because I don't go to the yet.
1: country Christmas, uh, the company Christmas party.
2: Do we even have company Christmas parties in this line of work anymore? I, see
1: that that's the point. I mean, you, it, back in the day. Uh, We used to have these, these grand things at convention centers and hotel ballrooms. Oh, it was Orgy Central. It was.
2: And there was lots of food and lots. Your wife, didn't she once win a trip to Paris? We won a trip to Paris courtesy of the company. And she worked in radio at the time, and it was probably the very last time anything like that ever happened at Rogers Communications. They killed the Bell Media one years and years and years ago, and that one was, you would pay for it, and you'd pay, I think it was 50 bucks a ticket. But it was probably about $1,000 worth of entertainment by the time the evening was done.
1: Well, I went to a bunch of Rogers ones with with you and wifey because my wife was working there at the time and they had sushi stations and they had mm-hmm. you know carved meat stations and open bars i mean it was it was fantastic but i don't know of a media company that does this anymore i mean the individual stations or the individual clusters may have these things but uh not the way it used to be i went to a big one uh oh god it must've been 15 years ago and it was um it was at the Toronto Convention Center, and the entire company was there. And there had to have been like 1,200 people, so hugely expensive. But I,
2: these things are a thing of the past that's just too expensive. Yeah, I think it's an indication of the success of your industry and its future trajectory as to whether or not they're holding parties. Yeah, that's that's
1: true. I bet you there's a bunch on Bay Street and a bunch at some tech companies, but uh, they're fewer and far between these days.
2: So at geeksandbeats.com, as we look at the definitive holiday gift guide for geeks, I went through and I edited some of these myself to move them up a notch because while, yeah, the, the everybody loves music, music loves everybody, knit socks, that's hilarious. The one that I figured you would actually be, possibly may be interested in is from Derek Dresser. It's the Star Trek Prop Communicator. For only $149.99.
1: This is Lieutenant Sulu of the Starship Enterprise standing by on the bridge with the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Fire. The funny thing was I was going through my basement And I found my old StarTac phone Oh yeah My old Motorola StarTac phone I don't need it I I got something pretty close to it now
2: Well wasn't it Gene Roddenberry Who had decided that Anyone who invented technology That mimicked what he had come up with In his Star Trek universe They were more than allowed To use the name that he adopted And that's why um, there is a company Working on a tricorder And they can call it a tricorder Even though that would be something that Paramount Pictures would rather Gene Roddenberry not let people get away with calling.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, like an iPad could be a tricorder, quarters for, you know, as far as I'm
2: concerned. But yeah, I know, what, I know what you mean. But would you pull one of these Star Trek prop communicators out? Because it's Bluetooth powered. It actually connects to your smartphone. So you just keep your smartphone in your pocket. And when the phone rings, you just flip it open like you're Kirk. Kind of cool. But didn't we
1: establish my position on cosplay a couple of episodes ago (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit it's a bit much you know if if somebody were to if I were to do that and somebody were to beat me up, I would just throw up my hands and say, yep, you're within your rights.
2: Yeah, they're not beating you up so they can take the prop communicator, they're so that they can destroy the prop communicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to be a pretty far gone geek to be considering this as your primary communications tool. But right down the list right after that, I think Peter Christensen's got me in mind when he uh, put the $899.99 Lego Millennium Falcon.
1: I saw the emails going back and forth. Worth about this one, and I just step back from the computer and threw my hands up and go, "No, not me! No way!
2: No! No!" Yeah, you know what? I, I can appreciate the, the Lego Millennium Falcon just for the 7,541 bricks. And you can remove the canopy to reveal the four minifig cockpit. The hull plates come out so you can look at the inner workings and all that kind of stuff. I had the original Kenner version when the original Star Wars came out. And that was all I needed. New from Kenner's Star Wars collection, the Millennium Falcon, that you put together. Batteries not included.
0: Nice landing, on Solo. Uh-oh, come on, Chewbacca. Stormtroopers are coming.
1: Action figures each sold separately. Got him
0: on radar. I'll fire the laser cannon. There's
1: even a hidden storage hatch.
0: Ready for takeoff. Jump to light speed. For God. On to the Death
1: Star. New Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Action figures each sold separately from
2: Kenner. Did you do this when you were little? Did you go hunting for your Christmas gifts?
1: Yeah, I did. And there was one year I found them all and... Then Christmas Day, I had to pretend that I was surprised. (laughs) I did that with the Millennium Falcon. And yeah, and it was just such a downer for everybody because they could tell I was faking it. And oh. that that kind of ruined that Christmas morning. I think it was nine or ten when it happened.
2: My problem was that I found the Millennium Falcon in buried in the back of mom 's closet, and I took it out, I assembled it, put it together, and then disassembled it, put it back, and had to pretend Christmas morning that I was surprised. but the problem was that I had dis- I had assembled it too well i once you snapped in the landing gear, it didn't unsnap. So there was this panicked moment where I realized that I couldn't put this thing back in the box perfectly. Oh dear. Uh, yeah,
1: that'll teach you. That'll teach you to ruin Mum's surprise. So, okay.
2: This is the first Christmas that my little one, age 11, is admitting she knows about Santa Claus. <laughs> It took her to 11? No, 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 no. She found out at nine and she kept it to herself until like two months ago when we just finally sat her down and went, so uh, what's the deal with Santa? And she admitted that she had known since she was nine.
1: She didn't want to let you that know that she knew that Santa was a figment of... of- some sort of marketing imagination.
2: Well, my big fear was that she was going to be mad that we had lied to her, but she took more of a believe in ye shall receive. I think she was more afraid that if she had told us that she knew about Santa, that we would say, okay, no more Santa gifts. Oh, so she was gaming you. She was manipulating you. I'm pretty sure that's the way that okay. went down. In my house, anyway, we still got gifts from Santa. Hell, I still got gifts from Santa up until I moved out.
1: Yeah, I still, every once in a while, get something from my mom labeled Santa because she's supposed to buy just one gift, but then she'll buy a second gift, so the second gift couldn't have come from her. It had to have come from Santa, so she says from Santa. Yeah, <laughs> that's my mom's default for that.
2: I think we're back to you here as we look at this one from Derek Dresser. It's the Automatic Pro. Have you had any interest in connecting a Gizmo to the odb port on your porsche
1: i have uh and i've been meeting to get one of these things now for anybody who doesn't know what this is it is a port that has come standard on every single automobile since 1996 and what you can do is plug this thing in download a, an app to go along with it and it gives you all kinds of diagnostics and uh information about how your car is running um I've been meaning to do this, but I haven't yet because my car's got to go back in February on the lease. So I'm looking for a new car. And with the new car, maybe I'll get one of these things.
2: This one's got the 3G cellular support built into it as well. So you can actually track the vehicle, f- not even being in the vehicle.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it turns it into a uh, like a roaming Wi-Fi
2: hotspot. We were talking about that. The little one asked me um, if we had a Wi-Fi hotspot in the car. And I had thought of you and the fact that you had a car that actually had a SIM slot to in the dashboard so that your car could be wi-fi enabled and i thought that just seems redundant with all these far phones in our pockets
1: well it, it is now and none of a lot of these sim cards uh on the north american cart, the sim card slots don't work they're they are oh really yeah they're disabled because they they. see when i first got my car uh, the first car with a sim card in the in the um in the dashboard and this would be 2005 ish uh, I was going to buy a, a SIM card, and I would have a number dedicated to the car. So if you wanted to call me and you couldn't get me on my cell phone, you'd have to call the car. And I was told by the dealers, yeah, these things don't work. But I I have since looked at uh, a bunch of other vehicles, and just about everyone's got a SIM card slot somewhere in the dashboard or in the uh, the center console.
2: I, I don't know why that's necessary, now that you can it's connect a European your thing.
1: phone. Thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's a European thing. Uh, it's a European spec thing, yeah.
2: Hmm. Now, Vesem Vinokian... Vesem Yenokov How do we pronounce that again? Vesem Yenovkian made the Victrola 6-in-1 belt drive USB Bluetooth turntable CD player his pick at just shy of $140. bucks. he has got 4 out of 5 hip ampersand logos on it. Do you know anything about this tech? Because this looks like something right up my father's alley. Yeah, I'm tell- telling you that if you are serious about playing
1: vinyl, don't get a USB turntable. Just No,
2: don't. no, I'm not ser- I don't think he's serious about playing it. I think the problem is, is that he doesn't play it because it's all buried in the basement. But if he could take some of that vinyl and turn it into an mp3 that could be playable on his ipad and through his apple tv and anywhere else that maybe he'd actually still listen to that it's it's very
1: possible but again usb turntables aren't very good and listen it all depends on the kind of audio that you expect from one of these things for 149 dollars you're not going to get a very good cartridge you're not going to get a very good tone arm you're going to get all kinds of rumble and hiss from the from the machine itself but uh, we have talked about this before, that people don't really care. The, the vast majority of people don't really care about audio quality. They want the convenience. So if convenience works for you more than the audio quality you'll get out of one of these things, go right ahead. And $149 it's not a terribly expensive investment. If you are getting a proper turntable, I would recommend uh, something from Project. It's a, a Czech manufacturer. that the largest manufacturer of turntables in the world. You can get an absolutely excellent turntable that will outlive you uh, these days for for about three hundred bucks three hundred and twenty nine bucks.
2: Well, see, this is the thing I think you're right about the convenience component because the software that comes with the gadget basically allows you to hit Play on the turntable, and it will turn those individual tracks into MP3s.
1: Yeah, and if you want to load those files that are generated, you plug them into your computer, and then you have a program like Audacity. Usually, Audacity comes bundled with these program with these um, turntables, and then you can edit everything into individual tracks. So, in the gaps between the songs, you just turn those into you know you you um, uh, delete those in the editing software, and then you have the individual tracks that you can save as as individual MP3s.
2: All right, so you're dumping on that one. I'm going to dump on the next one from Vanessa Zoli, which is the Belkin Wemo Mini Smart Plug. What's that? Well, it, we're thinking more and more these days about sort of the next generation smart home technology, and we've talked about how you don't want a smart home, you want an intelligent home, and we're slowly working our way towards that. Belkin's Wemo is not... HomeKit compatible. So if you are thinking about taking advantage of what Apple has figured is its next generation high-tech gizmo, which is everybody else has got smart home gear. Apple doesn't want to get into the smart home gear making business, but none of these gear components talk to each other. Apple has come up with its own standard, and many of these companies now talk the HomeKit language so that you can use a, a unified app across a whole bunch of different companies. Products. And if you've got an Apple TV, it will actually talk to your phone remotely so that when you are away, you can still control your house as well. Wemo doesn't have that. Wemo's great for people who aren't interested in making their entire house. Smart home, maybe what you just want is a lamp in the hallway, so that when you come home, it will go on when you come close. If you are not interested in outfitting your entire house with this technology, the Belkin Wemo Mini Smart Plug is a great way to go. It's only thirty-five bucks. It will be able to turn on and off as you come up to the house and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic, but it doesn't talk that universal language that Apple is pushing on so many other companies. I just bought myself a few iDevices. Devices. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, you've got the Philips Hue, which has individual light bulbs, but, like, say you've got a living room and you've got six light bulbs, do you really want to spend, you know, 80 bucks times six on the Philips Hue system when you could just replace the switch and control the lights? Sure, the lights won't change colors like the Philips Hue system does, but for a hundred bucks, you can control all six of those lights simultaneously instead of spending 80 bucks times six to do it with the Philips Hue.
1: Yeah, that, that is a way around it. Back to the Belcom thing, though, that might be OK for somebody who lives in an apartment or, or a condo when you don't have a lot of square footage. So, yep. you know, oh. that that could be a cost-effective solution for, for that kind of stuff. But you're right. It's not, it's not terribly smart and certainly isn't intelligent. Um, and I, even with the Hue stuff, I, I, I'm struggling with it a little bit because it doesn't work with some dimmers. If I have, for example, yes. a light yeah. that is already on a dimmer, it creates all kinds of problems. I have one light for whatever reason, it uh, doesn't like it. It just won't work with it. And some of the routines that I've been trying to save don't save. So it's... I mean, I like the Hue lights, for example. We had some people at the house the other night. I turned all the lights into festive colors of red and green. It looked really good. But... um it's, we still got a long way to go.
2: One of the neat things about the iDevices product is that it recognizes that you can't do dimming on LED or compact fluorescent bulbs the same way you can on the old fashioned incandescent. So when you attach the bulb for the first time, like for example, I've got a socket version which connects for your lamps, and it says, "Is this a, what kind of of light are you using with this socket?" And you tell it, and then it ramps the light up and down, and when it starts to blink, that's when it knows. Okay, well, that's the, the minimum. And then when it gets to the top, that's the maximum. So it'll work with all these different types of devices. But the neatest thing for me is that because it's on my phone and my wife's phone and they've got GPS, we can set it up so that when we leave the house, we don't have to tell the house we're leaving. We don't have to hit a button like we did with the 15-year-old technology I currently have in the house. It will recognize that both of us have left and turn off the lights. Now, if only one of us leaves, it still keeps the lights on. You say after the last person leaves, turn off the lights so we're just fine so long as my 11-year-old is not staying at home alone.
1: We would like this kind of stuff, but we have two dogs in the house. So, uh, that kind of thing just doesn't work. Oh, why? Because the dogs need the light? Well, then they move around, then the lights come on, the lights go off, and...
2: Right, if you've got the motion sensors as well, that would do that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's a great idea. I would like the idea... I like the idea of, um... Well, we already have some some uh, automation so that at sunset, the, the front lights go on and the, uh, the yard lights go on. I don't really have a use for what you're talking about, um, but I can see how some people would like it. For example, again, if you live in a condo or an apartment and if you have... I don't know, uh, three, five minutes, 10 minutes of of still air and nobody moving around, turn off the lights. That'd be great.
2: Well, the neat thing with this is, is that when we're out and about, when we come home at night and the lights are already off, it recognizes that geofencing about a block, you can configure it, but I've set it to about a block. So literally as we pull up to the house, now the foyer light goes on. So you're not fumbling about with your keys. You're not fumbling about with the alarm code or anything like that. And again, when you leave, it turns them off. You don't even have to think about it anymore.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I see it, yeah. I, but again, this is competing technology with the cont- technology that I have, which is about 15 years old, which I really would have to, I'd have to rip the whole thing out, and I'm, I, I just can't be bothered.
2: Oh, the Control 7 or Control something? Control What is it called? Control 4. Control 4, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you and I got into this technology just before a massive leap had taken place. But it, like I said, it's still smart. It's not intelligent. Uh, yes, you can configure things like if the motion sensor goes off at two in the morning when you get up to go get a glass of water, only brighten the lights 25%. That was my big concern a- initially. They've advanced from that. But you really want it to be able to just know instinctually what's going on. And that's more of an artificial intelligence thing. And that's still another 10 years away.
1: Yeah, it is. For example, the dogs often get me up in the middle of the night to go out. And instead of stumbling through the dark and, and you know uh, stubbing my toe in the iron, on the ironing board that my, life, my wife has left set up in the living room, uh, I would like the lights to go on by 15% so I can stumble my way through the back door and let the dogs out.
2: You want the Nest version of lights, like Nest as the thermostat recognizes the changes you've made and anticipates the next change you need. Something like that. I would I would like that a lot.
0: Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit GeeksAndBeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement.
2: I don't read much. Hurts my brain. What about you? I read quite a bit. I just recently bought a brand new iPad Pro. Uh,
1: I had an iPad Mini, but I've discovered that my eyes are getting a little on the old side, so I needed a bigger screen so I could read in bed. I spend an awful lot of time with uh, Amazon Books and my Kindle, my Kindle app.
2: Krista Holmes puts on her uh, Geek Guide gift list: "Lady Parts" by Andrea Martin. Oh. Really? She says for 19 bucks, it's a hilarious read. She says, I still think of her as the crazy Greek aunt from my big fat Greek wedding, which tells you a lot about Krista's age because I'm going as far back as SCTV and Edith Prickly. (laughs) (laughs) Live from the
1: Melonville (laughs) Bath.
2: Uh, okay, yes. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Andrea Martin as Edith Prickley and my mom, spitting image in some oh,
1: respects. Oh, really? Uh, I'd like to recommend a book, and it is easily the best science fiction trilogy that I've read in maybe 20 years. It's written by a um, Chinese writer by the name of Louis Xixing. And it begins with a book called The Three-Body Problem. And there were two sequels that go along with it. And basically, what it, the, the, here's the plot. A Chinese astronomer manages to send a very powerful signal to the universe saying that, hey, we're Earth, we're here. Somebody in the neighborhood of Alpha Centauri picks up this signal and says, got it. We'll be there in 1,400 years to invade. Oh, lovely. And it's about what happens on Earth. It's not 1,400. I think it's 450 years. Uh, it basically, it's, it's what happens on Earth as this giant armada of aliens heads its way towards Earth to invade. Absolutely the most clever Series of science fiction books that I have read in many, many years. If you are at all interested in first contact stuff, alien invasion stuff, hard science fiction, The Three-Body Problem by Louis uh, (laughs) Xixingh. It's L-I-U, and then
2: last name is spelled C-I-X-I-N. Very, very, very good. Didn't Stephen Hawking basically warn us that we got to be careful what we wish for when it comes to first contact?
1: Yes. So if aliens ever visit us, I think the outcome would be much as when Christopher Columbus first landed in America. which didn't turn out very well for the Native Americans. Um, And basically the second book talks about something called the Dark Forest. That's, In fact, that's the name of the book. And what the Dark Forest means is that when you are lurking at night in a dark forest and you hear a sound, what do you do first? You shoot to kill because you don't want to be killed first. So that's the idea of, you know, it's the Fermi Paradox situation. Just shut up. Uh, And the reason that we aren't hearing from any aliens these days is because they've all wiped each other out because they didn't want to be the first to be conquered.
2: Or the universe is simply just that big and it's distinctly possible that while there have been civilizations that have come and gone before us, that we will be long gone before that next major alien civilization rises up. And it's just a, a function of Ships in the Night Yeah, something like that Sticky Fingers The Life and Times Of uh, Jan Wenner And Rolling Stone Magazine By Joe Hagen uh, is it, it is Jan Wenner Isn't it? Jan Jan Wenner Okay, because Wifey with her German heritage Would be just mortified Because it pr- Probably should be Jan Wenner Yeah, it should be But he was always But then he's American And he's
1: very contrarian So Jan Wenner Is what we can Go with
2: Right, so he went German with the first name But not the last name Yes, yes Amber Healy points out that while the book was released to commemorate the 50th anniversary and it takes a deep dive into the magazine and the world around it, she would have liked to have seen something discussed that really wasn't brought up much during the 50th anniversary, which is why women on the cover are photographed so differently than men.
1: There were there was an HBO documentary that I saw just the other night. It was a two-parter that basically went through the 50 years of Rolling Stone. And they tried to answer some of those questions, but not sufficiently uh, and, and, and you're right. The the women on the cover of Rolling Stone, with a few exceptions, and I'm thinking about the infamous David Cassidy cover from 1971 when he was uh, photographed nude. Uh, yeah, women are often done, you know, sexy. I'm thinking about the uh, the Janet Jackson, two hands over the boobs shot. Uh, a very famous Rolling Stone cover. Yeah, I... I, I I, I know what you're saying.
2: Wait, wait a minute. David Cassidy posed nude on the cover of Rolling Stone in the 70s? 71
1: or 72. He. So like at the height of his success. Yes. Uh, he was trying to get away from the, the, the whole teen idol thing. And he had a special at the time. I think it was on ABC. And so he had uh, Annie Leibovitz, of all people, photographed this very famous cover For an interview that he did with Rolling Stone and his sponsors freaked out his record label freaked out I mean at the time you have to remember that he had more people in his fan club than the Beatles or Elvis ever did And they were all 12 13 14 year old girls Suddenly here he is posing nude from you know the the hip bones up on the cover of Rolling Stone And that was very off-brand and certainly not in keeping with the image that had been carefully crafted for him over the first two years of the Partridge family. So that there was a poop storm like you wouldn't believe over that one.
2: Yeah, I was more of a Sean Cassidy guy because the 12 year old girls in my life thought I looked more like Sean than David. Yeah, his half brother.
1: Um, oh, I should point out also that there was a new John Lennon on the cover of Rolling Stone. There was that one where he is in a fetal position um,
2: cuddled up and hu- hugging yoko. Yeah, that is an iconic image and says a lot about the nature of their relationship. It, it does. But back to the question of uh, the way women
1: have been portrayed on the cover of Rolling Stone, you're right. It has been the sexy women or sexy poses has uh, have have, have far a bit more predominant than what we see
2: with the men. There is so much more at thegeeksandbeats.com for the... Uh, Wait, I'm not done. I have mine. Whoa, okay. Hook me up. I want to get through a couple of things that aren't on the site. Um,
1: there are a number of rock and roll Christmas tree ornaments that you can buy and some of them are really cheap. They start at about 15 bucks. Is there a reason? No, if you just have a Christmas tree and you want to put something like a Pink Floyd or a Led Zeppelin or a Nirvana or Foo Fighters Christmas ornament on it, you
2: can. And and some there's, there's some what what is it a ball with just the logo of the band on it or something? Tell me tell me it's something a little more no, than no, that. No no no
1: some of them some of them are but you know they're official merchandise. There there is a set of four Tragically Hip ones, uh, four different colors, uh, seventy bucks that you can buy at the Hip Store. And there's uh, like a leather you would like this one. There's a a, a cure one. Oh, it's it, it's blue. It's a it's a leather ball. And it's got a little bit of, of uh, Robert Smith on it, and it's you know sells for fourteen bucks, so it's kind of kind of nice. Is is it broken
2: in places? No,
1: uh, no, it's not. It's leather. <laughs> there is a Beatles coffee table that is really nice. It is what? Yeah, it is a a, a giant repli- replica of I am the Walrus on a circular stand, and it looks great. I guess it's about three feet across. Uh, unfortunately, it's about eleven hundred dollars. Uh, Jack White has a new picture book for children that's available. It's called, we're going to be friends. It's based on the white stripe song of the same name. You can get that at Amazon. Uh, we have already talked about the ugly Christmas sweaters. There are plenty of those out there. And, uh, there's a personalized mixtape doormat that you can get for about 50 bucks Canadian. And what it, it, it looks like a cassette, but somebody has written, you know, for example, Mike's house mix or whatever in on the label. So you put that outside your door. It's, it's, it's kind of neat. And then if you want to really splurge out, I have a list uh, of really cool vinyl storage cabinets. And they're from a company called Otacha Design of New York. One of them looks like a bureau. One of them looks like an old-school record rack that you'll see in a record store. One has a turntable and record bin built into a coffee table. And then there's another one that features two turntables, a mixer, and an amplifier on a stand that you could, you could use in your house to, to DJ. So if anybody wants any of these things, uh, Alan at geeksandbeats.com, I'll be happy to set you up with the links. All
2: right, so of all these things, what do you want for Christmas? don't you know i got my
1: iphone 10 i got my new ipad uh, I go out shopping for records whenever I want to because this is my business and it really is kind of like a tax deduction. You know what I want? I, I told my wife this. Uh, I go to a personal trainer three times a week. I want a new gym bag. <laughs> <laughs> I want a really nice new gym bag. Honest to God, that's 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 all I'm thinking about because really I don't I don't need anything. You know your old when? Yeah, when you uh, are looking forward to getting socks and underwear
0: london bangkok new york cincinnati from the worldwide headquarters of geeks and beats magazine this is a GB news update
2: this episode has one two three four co-producers does that mean that there will be a deposit in my PayPal account soon? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. That, that's, that's me. I know. We got bills to pay, and we haven't paid them yet. No, and that's pay, all my fault. Pay the bills. I don't care. It's because my, I told you, my, the, the wife is, I has know. figured out how to use PayPal when shopping on Etsy. <laughs> we want to say thank you to co-producers Scott Coates, uh, who had, uh, we, I, I don't know if maybe we had shamed him last week when we, I had pointed out that he had uh, gone from his $1 an episode donation and had deleted it, but he had been with us since the beginning. And, and so we were really happy that he had been so uh, helpful and, and so supportive. But then he, he doubled down with a $25 donation and gets him uh, an opportunity for us to talk about it. Mike Benninger, who is a fantastic chef, who keeps suggesting that we get-together for a big Geeks and Beats dinner. Uh, Craig Glassford and Kevin Waghorn, still uh, co-producers on the big show. We also want to thank our latest, our newest member of the World's Worst Intern Program. And of course, what makes it the World's Worst is you pay us to work on the program a dollar an episode. You don't do any actual work. Our latest intern is named Thermos. No, really? Cool. I'm wondering if maybe this is tied to the Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling. Oh, Yes. Maybe this is competition. I don't know. Maybe this is some sort of means by which they could promote their own product. But his name is Thermos. That's all I know. All right. Well, thank you very much, Thermos. We want to thank Roland Wood, Rob Rimmer, who's donating five bucks an episode. Uh, Dave Duva and Don Woodall, also five bucks an episode. And maybe... To Thermos's point, I went to the Cafe Press site to see if anybody had recently bought the Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling after you went over the top telling everybody how fantastic it was, and as I was running down the names and the locations of the individuals who in the month of November had bought one, it occurred to me that they might be buying one on behalf of someone else, and by giving away their full name and location, I might actually be blowing a Christmas gift.
1: Oh, this is this is
2: true. So we want to say thank you to Faith, Paul, and Jennifer, who may or may not be buying a Miracle Travel mug of traveling for themselves. We get a couple of bucks from the big show uh, when we uh, sell these things. Go to the Geeks and Beats website, click on support the show, or uh, the Swag Store, and that's how you can actually get some of the stuff uh, that we have available. So we want to say thanks to uh, Faith, Paul, and Jennifer. Yeah. um oh God, that should have been on the gift guide. <laughs> Nothing says love quite like <laughs> So you're going away. We're taking the entire month of December off. I'm going away once you come back. And when I say I'm going away, I'm basically taking a week off so I can do Christmas shopping.
0: I going to be the witness to the ultimate test of cerebral fitness. This grips me more than would a muddy old river or a reclining Buddha. Thank God I'm only watching the game, controlling it. I don't see you. Guys, raging—the kind of mate I'm contemplating—I'd let you watch. I would invite you, but the queens we use would not excite you.
1: So you better go back to your bars, your temples, your massage
2: parlors. One night.
1: So I'm going to Bangkok, followed by Hanoi, followed by Halong Bay, followed by Da Nang, and then back to Bangkok and then home. That's a two-week trip. Wow. Yeah. We watched the the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary on PBS, and and now we just got to go to Nam.
2: Oh, okay. I'm watching on the Netflix The American Vandal. I don't know that one. Have you seen this? No. It's, it's a mockumentary. The, the basic premise is, is the um, bully of the, of the high school, who has a reputation for drying dicks on whiteboards, <laughs> is accused of spray painting penises on all 27 cars of the faculty during a PA day. And he swears up and down it wasn't him. And so what makes it the mockumentary is it's the AV club nerds who are doing a documentary about it.
0: My name is Peter Maldonado,
2: and I believe there are legitimate arguments for Dylan's innocence. Ball
1: hairs. The ball hairs. They're different. It's just one piece of the puzzle.
2: This is going to take way more than just ball hairs. They
0: say he deleted the security footage. There's no way.
2: He is the stupidest kid I've ever met. Is trying to convince you of some sort of conspiracy. There just isn't
1: one. Oh, my God. All right, that's on Netflix.
2: And it's on Netflix. And you know what? When I first heard about it, I wasn't interested in it. But two friends of mine who are huge television production nerds who are really into the craft of TV were like, this is the most amazing TV show ever. You have to watch it. And what's it called again? American Vandal. I, uh, I'm looking for something to binge. And there's nothing on TV
1: from about... You know, American Thanksgiving until sometime in mid-January, there is nothing on TV. I, we, were re- we were reduced to watching The Grinch Stole Christmas again, the original from 60E,
2: whenever it was. I will only watch the original. There's no way you'll get me watching that Jim Carrey nonsense. No, no, that was on uh, earlier today. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of all these Christmas
1: specials? Uh, I do like the Charlie Brown one. That's a standard. Uh, and and uh, we were actually very surprised. We were waiting for some people to come over for dinner last night. And we sat and watched it, and uh, because there was nothing else to to, to to watch, and we were mesmerized by it within about 30 seconds, and we watched it all the way through to the end. And my wife is actually, uh, you know, reciting Boris Karloff's narration along with him. So it actually
2: holds up pretty well. In my house with an 11 year old, we've replaced the Charlie Brown Christmas and all of those others with. Will Ferrell's Elf. Oh, God. I'm so sorry.
0: Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com.